Welcome back to another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment, featuring interviews with guests who are having success in entertainment, primarily music. I am Bruce Wozniak, talking to guests who are singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, and more from the worldwide music community. Do please stay connected. You can write to podcast at nhte.net, or instead of email, you are welcome to DM me through the at Now Hear This Entertainment Instagram account. Anything and everything to do with this podcast or the entertainment industry itself, I look forward to hearing from you. Last week, I made an exciting announcement. During this week's episode, I will give that news again and the details about it because it is something interactive for you. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Minneapolis, my guest is a singer, songwriter, model, and actress who has a new single coming out in just over three weeks and will be releasing a full album soon as well. Last year, she released three singles as well as covers of two Christmas songs. One of her songs alone on Spotify has been streamed over 133,000 times. She has planned and directed most of her own high-concept music videos, several of which have won multiple awards, and her YouTube channel has close to three-quarters of a million combined video views. Away from the arts, she has been very active in giving back, having donated over 2,500 volunteer hours to charities. You've been hearing a song of hers called Angel Eyes. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Michelle Rose. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. You bet. You bet. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you ever so much for making time to be on the show. And let's get started by having you share with the audience all about the song of yours that was just playing called Angel Eyes. Sure. I wrote Angel Eyes back in April. I started writing lyrics when I was younger in high school based on some experiences I had in high school. But the reason that I got back to writing this song in April was because I kept hearing more and more stories about domestic violence from friends of mine and family members. And it was honestly really overwhelming learning about how many stories um, my friends and family had related to domestic violence. Mm. So I wrote the story from the perspective of someone who had been abused and felt trapped And because of those experiences, I also have become interested in getting more involved with domestic violence work and awareness. So I've been trying to reach out to some domestic violence shelters, trying to become um, a speaker to promote their cause. So it's something that I really care about a lot now. And I really hope that this song could potentially, you know, motivate someone who's in a toxic environment to leave, find the courage to leave. And I hope that it will give hope to people and kind of shed light on a very difficult subject. But it's my first country song that I've ever worked on. And I had so much fun with it. It was a blast. And I filmed the music video in Colorado, which was also really fun. I'm curious, though, because in the past I have asked guests about writing about something that they haven't experienced themselves. And they tell me that as songwriters... You kind of use your imagination, your creativity. Maybe you talk to people that have had that experience. But usually they're talking about something that is positive or happy or upbeat. And in this case, it's such a serious subject. How difficult is it to write about something like domestic violence when I hope, I assume, that you have not been through that yourself? Is it a case of, yes, that's what I did as I talked to people who have been through it and made it more relatable? Yes, I guess I 
haven't written many songs from someone else's perspective, so this was a very new endeavor for me. But I just felt like I had to tell this story because I don't know of many songs that talk about this topic. And I can say that I have not, you know, experienced what some of my friends have experienced, but I've definitely seen some similar things in my dating history. So I was able to kind of draw on some personal experiences and just build it up a lot more and kind of have it be on steroids. And um, yeah, I just really hope that it will help someone or just um, open people's eyes a little bit more. The people that you mentioned earlier that you said you found out have been through it, was there any thinking, maybe I should show the song to them first before I release it just to make sure that it does accurately portray what domestic violence is like? Um, I guess I didn't do that because, like I said, I did have a little bit of experience before, and so I just kind of went with what felt natural to me. And I tried to not make the song too negative. Um, I didn't want to, you know, have it be a really dark and depressing song. I just wanted the song to kind of be about the positive side that, you know, you can get out of it. You can find light at the end of the tunnel. And I wanted it to be kind of a brave song about even if you're you have tear filled eyes, you can still do really difficult, scary things and get yourself out of a really scary situation. Mm -hmm. So I mainly just wanted it to motivate and inspire and kind of have a positive spin on a really horrible subject. Okay, and thus the title, Angel Eyes. Yes, I wrote the song about, you know, I think um, everybody with domestic violence, it's really hard for people who have not been there to see that why someone would stay, why they wouldn't leave their abuser. But sometimes it could be like maybe they are really amazing in other ways or maybe they're just so attractive and you're so in love with them. And so I wanted to kind of show that sometimes horrible people can look beautiful and Mm. they fool you. And, you know, people say the devil was handsome. And so I kind of took that little metaphor and ran with it and tried to show that, you know, these people can look like angels, but they're actually devils on the inside. Okay, okay. I like it. I like it. Before we get too far into this, set the record straight for me here. I mentioned that you're calling in from Minneapolis, Minnesota, yet when I first contacted you about coming on the show, you were in Norway, but a few days later you emailed me and you said you're in Seattle. And plus, (laughs) further confusing things is that you're currently working on your master's in songwriting from the Berkeley College of Music, which is based in Boston. So help me understand all of this. Yes. So I was in Norway because I'm actually half Norwegian. My dad immigrated here from Norway when he was 19, and his whole side of the family is still in Norway. So I went to visit them for Christmas break just Ah. to catch up with my family. And then I was in Seattle visiting a loved one, And um, so that was a nice little vacation exploring Seattle. And then, um, yes, I I live in Minnesota and I do attend Berklee College of Music, but it's actually the Berklee online degree. Uh. I started my undergrad degree at Berklee in Boston my first two years. And then I switched to Berklee online the last two. 
And now I'm doing my master's degree in songwriting all online, which is so convenient because I love living in Minnesota. I think it's very underrated. And all of my music people are here, my whole team and my close circle of family and friends, they're all here. So it's very convenient to do all of my schoolwork from Boston while I'm still working on my own projects here at home. Gotcha, gotcha. Folks, all those locations I just asked Michelle about, Minneapolis, Norway, Seattle, Boston, it gets pretty tough to navigate, right? Well, I have one simple landing spot for all of you online that will be of great interest to you or someone you might want to pay this forward to. I was actually thinking of dropping in some really poorly recorded audio here. There's a podcast I heard one time where the quality was just really bad. But then I thought to further prove the point, I should look for badly recorded music instead of a podcast. Trust me, I get music sent to me a lot, and it's real easy to pick out the ones that have poor production quality. If you're doing any kind of recording, you don't want this to be you. If I had ended up picking out a poorly recorded song, it would have been really embarrassing for that artist. And that's the way it's going to be for you if you take shortcuts and don't arm yourself with professional quality gear. The one simple landing spot for all of you that I have is the entry form to win a Focusrite Scarlet 2i2 third gen USB audio interface. Not only have I used it and been hugely satisfied with it, but it's the world's best selling USB audio interface to the tune of some 5.5 million musicians and creators who have chosen Scarlet for their recording projects. I punched this particular model into Google and saw this retailing for $180. So this is quite a prize in more ways than one. There's less than a week left to enter. So do this now. Look for the link to the entry form in the description of this episode, regardless of the platform that you're listening through, or on both the Now Hear This Facebook and Twitter accounts. I've got a pinned post, a pinned tweet with the link to the entry form. And of course, the links to Facebook and Twitter are on my podcast website, nhte.net. Plus, each Wednesday in January, I am putting a link to the entry form in the weekly e-newsletter. So make sure you're receiving that. Heck, for that matter, write to me via podcast at nhte.net, and I will personally email you the link to the entry form. Enter by January 31st for your chance to win a Scarlet 2i2 third-gen USB audio interface from Focusrite and get pro audio quality for all your recording projects. Michelle, I mentioned about how you're currently working on your master's in songwriting, but let's go for all intents and purposes back to the beginning because if I have this correct, you were only six when you first started singing, and I mean really singing, not playing around like a six-year-old singing. Is that right? That is right. I started voice lessons in classical music when I was six. Um, I originally wanted to be a ballerina, a professional dancer someday. Mm. And I also did pageants growing up. So I would always dance for my talent. And I was a horrible dancer. My parents said that, you know, the rest of the class would be going to the left and I'd be going to the right. (laughs) I had no coordination whatsoever. I was recycled to beginner level one dance class three times Mm. and just wanted to talk to my friends the whole time. So my parents encouraged me to switch to voice lessons because apparently I would sit in the back of their car and sing along to Sarah Brightman CDs and they said that it sounded like I had some natural ability. 
Um, and I was always very fascinated with voices. I, you know, would hear choirs singing and I thought they were real angels and I just loved to sing, you know, throughout my day. So that's when they asked me if I would like to try voice lessons. And after having my very first voice lesson, I just fell in love and never looked back. Mm, wow. Wow. After telling us about taking classical voice lessons at age six, fast forward to present day, and the song that was playing at the beginning of this episode was a country song, and the one I'm going to play at the end is a pop slash EDM song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Most of my training has been in classical or opera throughout my life, and for some reason, I think that's actually the easiest genre for my voice. It just fits the best. Um but pop has always been my number one dream. And people for years have been telling me that I should try country because of the tone of my voice. And they thought, you know, there are a lot of blondes in country. You look like you could be a country <laughs> girl. So I do like to listen to country these days. And I thought I would just try it since everybody was suggesting that. But I still have not decided on a genre for myself because. I just love so many different genres and I don't feel drawn to only one. So I'm currently experimenting with a bunch of different ones and I do like to listen to EDM music. So I decided to make some EDM Halloween songs to fit that genre as well. And I also took several jazz classes at Berkeley since it is a jazz school. Mm. And I just love jazz. I love listening to Ella Fitzgerald and I would love to make some jazz songs really soon as well. Well, and folks, there's quite a bit of irony, not only in what Michelle is saying right now, but this just the timing, the way everything is playing out. And I actually said something to this effect a few weeks ago when I was interviewing Dr. James. And the point that I was making to him was he was episode 465, so just two weeks ago. And he was talking about the EDM music that he does. And I was telling him that the week before, Steve Cherubino was talking about EDM music that he used to do and the EDM producer podcast that he did. And lo and behold, here we are with Michelle mentioning EDM as well. So I will put links on Michelle's show page on nhte.net to the interviews with Dr. James and with Steve Cherubino. So you can go back and listen to those as well. But wow, fascinating, Michelle, that I think I counted classical, opera, country, pop, jazz, EDM, that's six alone. So it'll be interesting to see where you do end up shaking out with all this. But isn't it true, and I'm asking you to set the record straight on this, isn't it true that when you kind of get that classical voice training, that it really does provide a solid foundation to make it easier to go into those other genres? Absolutely. I fully believe in classical music training first before contemporary training because it taught me so much about breath control and vowel shapes and Mm -hmm. all of the correct techniques. And I am so grateful for that education because I think it helps so much with having power in other genres as well. And actually, I mentioned in the intro that last month you did release two Christmas cover songs and from some of the back and forth that you and I had in the lead up to today, it sounds like we can expect to see more Christmas music from you at some point down the road. More covers or original Christmas songs? I would love to do a mixture of both. I would love to do some acoustic, almost folk singer-songwriter type of Christmas songs, um, just guitar. 
And I would also love to do, you know, some pop Christmas songs. But I also love classics like Oh Come All Ye Faithful and, you know, Frosty the Snowman, like um, Ella Fitzgerald's rendition. So I think it will probably be a kind of eclectic album. Mm. But I just have to get all of my creative ideas out and I can't wait. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that, get your creative ideas out, because some people might be listening to you and I right now, and they'll say, why is he asking her about Christmas music? We just passed Christmas. The trees <laughs> put away. The presents are put away. If anything, we might be perhaps, maybe, possibly thinking about Valentine's Day, and Bruce is asking Michelle about Christmas music. But we've talked before in the show that if you're going to record Christmas music, you're probably going into the studio to record it like July-ish. So if you're talking about writing new original Christmas songs, this is probably about the time when you're starting to challenge yourself and say, what would I write? Exactly. And last year, I actually recorded those two Christmas covers that I just released um, a year ago because wow. I I wanted to have it done. And I knew that if I wanted to make music videos for the songs, I would have to have it ready so that I could film in the snow or film when there were Christmas uh... decorations. So... Yeah, I don't know if it's realistic for me to do tons and tons of Christmas and Halloween songs right now, but I'm going to try. <laughs> it might be difficult with my master's degree, but I'm going to try to just record, record, record as much as possible leading up to the holidays this upcoming winter. Well, I know there was a guest that was on one time that said that she recorded, I think it was in the middle of summer, and she said just to try to force us to make us think that it was Christmas time. We had a Christmas tree in the studio and I don't know, they might've worn, you know, Christmas socks or whatever it was, but I would think Michelle, and I'm interested to get your opinion on this, that thinking of Christmas songs that you could write original ideas would be very tough, say in February, because it's not like, I think I'm going to write a song about a breakup or about fast cars or about going on a trip this is something that you're going, okay, what can I say about Christmas? And I don't want to say that it hasn't already been sung before because people could make the same argument about breakup songs and fast cars and vacations. But at the same time, Christmas is kind of unique in its own sense. So to be in, say, February and think, I want to write an original Christmas song, and now it's February, I got to believe that's a pretty tough challenge. But maybe you're in the right place because you're going for your master's in songwriting. It is a challenge. It's nice that, you know, Minnesota is so snowy all the time until about <laughs> April, possibly even Memorial Day sometimes. Mm. But so that helps. But especially when I was writing some Halloween songs this past year in the summer, or actually it was in April, I just tried to surround myself with Halloween things. So I tried to watch Halloween movies and look at Halloween pages on Instagram that were only dedicated to Halloween and just totally stay in that mindset. So that's what I'll have to do for Christmas and, you know, maybe pull out some hot cocoa here and there <laughs> to get in the mood. And I did write a Christmas song with two songwriters back in, it must have been late October, or early November. And the main producer put up a little Christmas tree and brought out some little snowmen decorations. So I think he had the right idea, and that's probably what I will continue to do on my own as well. There you go. There you go. And, folks, I know what you're saying. Bruce asked her about Christmas, but did I, did I hear her say Halloween? Didn't she say Halloween earlier on in this interview, too? And, in fact, she has been talking about so many different types of music, different genres that she performs 
But in fact, there is something really unique that Michelle is working on that I'm anxious to hear all about because she's actually hoping to release an album at the end of summer in a style that I can't remember anyone coming on this show in the last almost <laughs> nine years now and talking about. So, Michelle, share with the audience what I'm referring to, which, by the way, is something that you say that you're obsessed with. You've mentioned it a couple times now. Yes, I am obsessed with Halloween, and I plan on making an entire Halloween album. I already have three or four Halloween songs that will go on this album that I've released as singles, but I definitely need more to make a full, big album. I have been obsessed with Halloween since I was two years old. That's when I first started to go trick-or-treating, and I also had my first Halloween party that year. I hosted it. (laughs) (laughs) I've just always loved Halloween because I love dressing up. I love the costumes. I love to be scared. I love horror movies. So it's just something that has always been a big part of my life. I've always had huge Halloween parties every single year, and I plan on doing that the rest of my life, honestly. So it just seems perfect, and I'm so excited to work on it. And Michelle, I have to tell you, I just think this is brilliant because it is so tough to come up with anything that is unique music-wise because everything has been done before. And I think there's a lot of good ideas out there that people will think they're the first one. And then you talk to someone who's a real musicologist and they go, nope, so-and-so did that back in 1981. And well, what about this idea? Nope, so-and-so did that back in 1973. And everybody has an answer for all these original ideas, but... I take my hat off to you because I think this is brilliant. I don't even know, other than the Monster Mash, I don't know that I can even name any Halloween songs that are out there. So I think you're really onto something. And audience, if you think that I'm way off base, you know how to reach me, social media or email or some other means. Let me know what I'm missing. But Michelle, hats off to you because I think this is a really great idea of yours to fill a huge music void by writing Halloween music. Oh, thank you. I... I was just thinking, you know, there are tons and tons of Christmas songs, but really no Halloween songs. You know, Monster Mash, Thriller. There was one from Disney Channel that I really liked growing up called Calling All the Monsters. Um, But I really didn't know of any others. And that's why I wrote Ghosted was the first one we worked on. But after we made those songs, I did a little more searching. And then I saw that this one artist who I love named Kim Petra's made a Halloween album. It was EDM dubstep. And so then I thought, oh, well, I should just make my own too. I already have, you know, a couple Halloween songs. So let's just make a whole album. But aside from her, I don't know of any other Halloween albums. So I'm really hoping that I can reach a lot of people who love Halloween just like I do. Yeah. And quite frankly, Halloween, I think, has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger very fast over the last several years. And I live in Tampa, so I see Bush Gardens with what they do for Halloween over in Orlando. I see Universal Studios with what they do for Halloween. So I think there's definitely a market for what you're doing, and it's going to be interesting to watch audience the original music that Michelle comes up with for Halloween. And it sounds like, Michelle, we can look for that maybe by end of summer. Yes, definitely. I'll do my best. (laughs) Turn out the songs. (laughs) And speaking of which, I am joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Minneapolis by singer, songwriter, model, and actress Michelle Rose. Visit her official website at michellerose.com. I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode. 
at nhte.net. Once you land on her website, you will find a boatload of links to engage with Michelle online. Look for the logos to go over to Michelle's accounts on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram, plus even LinkedIn and IMDb. There are links on michellerose.com to Spotify and SoundCloud, two platforms that you can hear the show on, by the way, as well as Pandora. So do give her a follow on one or more of those too, but support Michelle by using the iTunes and Amazon links on her website to purchase downloads of her music. Here is the announcement that I referred to at the very beginning of this episode, which I had first revealed last week. Effective immediately, you can call me without even needing my cell phone number. I have an article about this with not only the link, but an invitation code that you will need and want. This honestly is the real deal. I can say that with confidence because I've been having people call me since I started doing this. As I mentioned last week, this is not like those posts that you see that recording artists or whoever put up where they give out a phone number and you just know it's not really them that you're going to contact. This is the OWL app. It's like OWL, except spelled with two W's and two L's. So O-W-W-L-L. And the app itself is free. So you're not getting on my mail list. You're not getting on my text list. Nothing like that because I don't get your phone number and you don't get mine. At the beginning of this month, I sat in the office down in South Florida with the founder of the app. He calls it LinkedIn on steroids. And I'm actually going to be seeing him this week, too, at PodFest Multimedia Expo in Orlando. I'm going to be talking about this on future episodes in terms of the power of this app and being able to connect with and call people like me on there. But for now, here's how to get started. Either go to my podcast website, nhte.net, and then tap or click anywhere you see the link for home, and then read the article there that I posted. The headline is, Help Now a Phone um, App Call Away. Or to save a step, to save a tap or a click, Simply go directly to nowhearthis.net, and of course, that's H-E-A-R, nowhearthis.net, and you'll see that article there, and you'll be on your way to downloading the OWL app and calling me and others who are on there. These are actual voice calls. I want you to call me on there and talk about the podcast or maybe something I can help you with. Get on the OWL app, and let's chat. Michelle, we've talked about Christmas music. We've talked about Halloween music. But let's get down to this new album of yours. When will that be out? How many songs? What genre will this one be? And by the way, who are you working with on this one? It is a big album. I think it will be about 10 songs. And most of the songs were made with Dr. Fink, who has been my primary producer since I was about 17 or 18 years old. And I'm 23 and a half now, so it's been a while, and we've just made so many songs together, and I have a lot to still release. Um, I'll be working working on that this spring, but that album will just be old songs and new songs with him, and they're pretty much all pop or R&B songs. Oh, that's another genre I didn't mention was <laughs> R&B. Some of my songs have an R&B influence. So, yeah, I'd say pop, R&B, a little bit dancey, slightly EDM. Um, So it's, again, a little eclectic, but I just want to release all of that older material, and then I can start working on new projects after that. And fill the audience in on who Dr. Fink is. Dr. Fink is, 
he was Prince's keyboardist and also co-producer um, in Prince and the Revolution, which is my favorite band. And I actually saw Dr. Fink perform with the Revolution before I met him. I saw this little ad on Instagram saying that they had a performance at First Avenue, which is where they got their start and kind of, you know, put Minnesota on the map for music. Um, and I went to that concert with my best friend and I was honestly tearing up and I was just saying, oh my gosh, this is crazy. I can't believe I'm in the same room with them. I'll probably never get to see them again. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Mm. And then through a friend of a friend, I ended up getting connected with him. And now I call him my music dad and we (laughs) eat sandwiches together and gossip And it seriously feels like our families are one big family now. So it's just been such a blessing to work with one of my music idols. And he is definitely my number one mentor in my life. So I'm really grateful that he wanted to work with me. And audience, that's a great example of you can't hang your hat and just sit around and wait your whole career if you are an aspiring artist for a chance connection like that. But it's just the latest testimony that someone has given on this podcast to the fact that, yes, if you put yourself out there, you can end up meeting someone like a Dr. Fink. And so here's Michelle saying that it's her mentor and it's someone that she works with regularly. So just know that things like that are possible. Let's dive into all the amazing work that you've done with music videos. It's so great to see all your hard work paying off to the tune of close to three quarters of a million combined video views on your official YouTube channel. Share with the audience about how very, very involved you get with the music videos that you make and maybe even the story about your Garden of Eden video. I watched that and one other on your YouTube channel. Oh, thank you. Oh my gosh, I love music videos so much. I grew up watching Taylor Swift's music videos and you know, just watching MTV. And I always loved music videos and wanted to make one someday. Um, And I started out with um, kind of a team of people at an agency and they would plan the videos for me. But one day I decided that I wanted to do things my way. So I just tried to see, you know, how it would be possible and put together a team with my mom And again, through a very chance meeting, I met my amazing videographer, Joshua McGrain, from Ironclad Production Company, or Co., I should say. And we have been a great team together. We've made like, I don't know, 17 or 18 videos together by Mm. now. And I'm very involved in the music videos. I plan all of them. I write out a script of what each scene will be like. I plan the set design and help and you know do the set design with the help of my mom and Joshua and also my godfather Donnie sometimes and my dad and I pick out the costumes I do my own hair and makeup I pick out the actors I direct it and sometimes I co-direct it with Joshua but I love to be very involved because it's one of my favorite ways to use my creativity and again I just feel like I have all these ideas that I have to get out so I've done so many different projects they're all very different I feel like from a garden and garden of Eden themed video to you know a glow in the dark neon video 
Halloween videos, um, a 50s video, everything has been very, very different, but it's just because I have to get these ideas out of my system or I'll go. <laughs> and Garden of Eden was very fun. My mom, um, she's my seamstress for these videos, mm. and she also helps me with costuming, picking out the costumes. And she sewed Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve type of costumes with leaves, and it was over our swimsuits. But my favorite part of that video is that I had a 14-foot reticulated python named Elvira. And I was very afraid of her. She was huge, obviously. And I was afraid to even stand close to her. But at the end of the shoot, I thought, you know, we have this huge python. And for the cinematic value, we might as well feature her more yeah and i know that britney spears has held a snake around her neck before and Nicki minaj has done it on stage so maybe i should just be brave and try this so they did eventually wrap elvira around my neck and she would use my head as a platform to climb to the trees she mm. just desperately mm. wanted to escape and climb the trees and she was very, very friendly, a very tame, nice snake. She's good with kindergartners even. But at one point, she began constricting on my neck. And I was so afraid. Um, so two handlers had to unwrap her from me. But that was a very scary moment. And it was also very scary because I did not know that reticulated pythons weren't venomous. I thought they were venomous. So the whole time when I was, you know, looking face to face with her, with her tongue sticking out at me, like inches from my face, I thought, you know, at any second she could easily bite me and then I'm dead. Mm. And I was so confused because my mom seemed to not be phased by any of this. And I thought, like, does my mom not care about me? Is she okay with me getting bitten <laughs> and killed and eaten right now in front of her? Why is this not a bigger deal to her? But then after the fact, I found out that she was non-venomous. And um, I guess everybody thought I was pretty brave for being willing to have what I thought was a venomous snake wrapped around me. Yeah, and so folks, I'm glad that Michelle just told that story because now you're going to want to go to her YouTube channel and watch the Garden of Eden video, and you're going to see... There's one scene in particular, I don't know why, but this jumps out to me when I was watching it, where the snake is crawling up her arm. So when I say up, I mean in the direction of, say, from her wrist towards her elbow, not the other way around towards her hand. So it's easy to say, oh, maybe they just dropped that shot in and it's B-roll from something else. And now you hear Michelle saying, no, all the snake shots, that's really me with a real snake. And it really gives you an appreciation of what she went through. Michelle, I wonder, though, all the different hats that you said that you wear, I got to imagine that you probably are also the one that does the location scouting, because if you're the one that comes up with the ideas of what you want the videos to look like and you kind of storyboard it, that means you have a picture in your head of what the setting has to be. So am I correct that you're the one going out and doing the location scouting? Yes, I do the location scouting. Usually my mom comes with me. But I will also take ideas from friends and family. Um, like people told me about the drive-in where we filmed my You're the Kind of Guy 50s-themed music video. But for the most part, I do that myself. And I'm really grateful for the team of family and friends and Joshua that I have because we, um, you know, we try to 
just use things that we already have. Like a lot of my music videos have been filmed in my own backyard or Midnight Moon was filmed at my neighbor's yard in their woods. So we try to save money in different ways by just keeping it within my circle. And this also leads us nicely into, I want to transition away here. You had mentioned doing pageants before, but away from music, I want to talk more about acting and modeling. If you could talk about some of that work that you've done also. Yes, I've been acting longer than I've been singing. I started acting when I was about three. So I've been in several commercials and some short films. I also did a little bit of theater with musicals and plays. But my favorite is definitely film work. And it's something that I still love to do for fun. I'm actually filming a short film in um, Out on the Ice on Saturday. It's kind of a James Bond-inspired short film. Um, so I sang a cover of No Time to Die by Billie Eilish for that. And it's just something that I love to do because it's another creative project. And my best friend actually has directed some videos that she's made. So she cast me to play in some of her short films as well. And we were just in L.A. where we both won awards for our videos. And one of her videos was one that I acted in called The Actress, where I play a very snotty, stuck-up Hollywood actress. And for modeling... Actually, I've probably been modeling longer than anything else, Mm. (laughs) any of the other activities I do. I started out modeling when I was a baby, and I've done some on-location shoots in the Bahamas and a few different states. Um, It's just something that I love, and I have also modeled in New York Fashion Week and Boston Fashion Week. Um, And I feel like acting and modeling go hand-in-hand with singing, Because you have to model for the cover photos if you want to include yourself in the cover photos. And you have to act in your music videos. So I think those two things are things that I'll do my whole life with singing. And it's fun for me. I love anything creative. So it's something that I really enjoy doing. And for the audience, you're probably saying... Where does she get the time to do all this? Because earlier there was talk about the masters from Berkeley that she's working on for songwriting. And now you're hearing about all the different music that she's doing. You're hearing about how much she puts into the music videos. You're hearing about acting. You're hearing about modeling. And on top of all that, Michelle, I do also want to make sure that I give you an opportunity to talk about all the volunteer work that I mentioned back in the intro that you've done And as you started to say at the very beginning, but it bears repeating after you were talking about the opening song, I know there is one particular cause that you're looking to do more work with. Yes, I started volunteering when I was five. I worked with Operation Bootstrap Africa. And after that, I started putting on lemonade stands and also hosting talent shows for Polar Bears International. That's one of my favorite organizations. And I've done lots and lots of volunteer work with Susan G. Komen. That is the organization that I've done most of my volunteering with. I got involved with them after one of my friends' moms died from breast cancer when we were eight. So I've been working with them ever since I was eight, putting on talent shows, having a Race for the Cure walk team. Um, I also used to sing the national anthem at the Race for the Cure walk. But now my new, I wouldn't say my new focus because Susan G. Komen will always be, I think, my number one organization. Mm -hmm. But um, my new 
passion is domestic violence. And I would really like to make a difference with that. Um, I guess just to explain what I was talking about earlier, as far as my experiences um, in high school and going into college, I was stalked by um, a partner and assaulted. So that was kind of my experience that I'm referring to. Um, But obviously, I know that lots and lots of men and women have had much worse experiences than me. And that's what breaks my heart the most is that anybody would be afraid. So I would love to help in any way I possibly can, even if it's something small that doesn't help very much. I just want to try because it really means a lot to me and I really want to help. And as people always say, if you just end up helping one person, then you've certainly made a difference. And I could sense that back when you were talking about Angel Eyes at the beginning and mentioned your interest in doing more work with domestic violence organizations. So, wow, hats off to you, because as I said, I don't know where you're finding the time. As far as I know, there's still only 24 hours in a day, and you're managing to really carry quite a, a full workload there. Oh, thank you. It has been such a challenge, especially since I just started my master's a little over a week ago. So I'm trying to, you know, figure it out, but I love doing it. So I wouldn't change it for the world. Well, just to kind of come full circle here, early in our conversation, I was asking you about all the different locations. But as we get set to wind down here, now that we've heard everything that you've done already and are currently doing, as much as you said that you think it's kind of a well-kept secret and how much you love it there, I still can't help but wonder if you have your sights set on leaving Minnesota at some point for the bright lights of New York or L.A., maybe Las Vegas. I really don't. Um, When I was younger, I really, really wanted to move to L.A., but I think my priorities have changed a little as I've grown older, and I don't know. I just don't think it's really the place for me anymore. I like Nashville a lot more, um, and so if I were to choose a place, it would be Nashville, Mm -hmm. and I would consider moving there if it meant you know, I would have more opportunities, but especially if I signed with a major label and they said, you have to move to LA, New York, Nashville, Vegas, whatever, I would 100% move. Um, but until someone, you know, gives me a really strong reason to move, I don't think I will because I just, I feel nice and safe in Minnesota. I love the community. The economy is great. It's inexpensive. Um, it's kind of hard to afford places like LA when you're just starting out as a singer, but I, yeah, I would just love to stay here with my family for now and down the road, possibly think about moving somewhere like Nashville, but that's not really on my mind until I become a little more established here first. And it's interesting, folks, if you noticed when I asked Michelle the question, I said New York, Los Angeles, maybe Las Vegas. And for once, despite how many times I do usually mention Nashville, I didn't include that. And not that, and I've said this before, not that Nashville is only country music, but if you just humor me and think of that example for a moment, Michelle said at the beginning of this show that Angel Eyes is her first country song. So a lot of what I've gotten to know about her in preparing for this interview made me think of places like New York, L.A., and Las Vegas, and not so much Nashville. And here she is saying <laughs> Nashville would be the place that I'd happily go. So uh, I guess you set the record straight, and, and thank you for that. But as you say, you have to go where the opportunities are. Mm-hmm. Yes, I 
I also feel like after living in Boston, I realized that I am not a city girl. I'm definitely a suburb girl. I live in the woods on a lake. Um, so I think Nashville would be the easiest transition for me because it's not, you know, filled with skyscrapers and there's a little more land, more grass. Um, so I don't think I could live in New York City or anything. But if I absolutely had to and if I was just desperate for opportunities and nothing was happening here, then I would consider any place. There you go. There you go. We're going to close today with another one of Michelle's original songs, one called Midnight Moon. Michelle, before I let you go and I play that track, share with the audience all about this one, if you would, please. Yes. I was thinking about how I really wanted to make a Halloween album after having my first two um, Halloween songs made last year or two years ago. And I texted a producer friend and I said, you know, I'm kind of thinking about this. So we had a little writing session to, you know, collaborate with some ideas and brainstorm. And he was asking me for titles and I just kept coming back to the title Midnight Moon. And we both thought that that sounded like it would be a good werewolf song and I thought, oh my gosh, that's so interesting. I don't really know of any werewolf songs. I mean, you know, Thriller in the music video does show a werewolf type of creature, but I don't know of many songs that talk about that or any songs at all. And I also, you know, he was saying like, would you want to be the werewolf or be chased by a werewolf mm. in the music video? And at first I thought that I should be chased by a werewolf but then I thought, you know, I don't really know of many female werewolves in pop culture. So why shouldn't I be the werewolf? Let's just try it. And I don't know if it will be believable <laughs> that I could be scary since I'm, you know, a very wholesome person. But why not just try? And I wrote the song. I think it only took me like 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. So it was all cinched together really quickly. We recorded it in April. And then for planning the music video, again, I did the costuming and it started out that I was being chased by a werewolf. Then the werewolf bites me and I become a werewolf. And then I chase my love interest and turn him into a werewolf. And also it's left up for debate whether or not my dog is turned into a werewolf or if he's eaten or what happened to poor little Biscuit. <laughs> but uh, with my costume, I just wanted to look a little scary, but also flirty and, you know, be kind of a seductive werewolf, I guess. And for the other werewolves, I wanted them to be authentically scary and, you know, the kind of werewolf you would think of seeing in a movie. So it was a big mixture of all of that. And it was so fun to put that project together. We would film until like 5 a.m. Mm. because it had to all be filmed at night. And that was my first time trying, um, you know, fangs and scary makeup. And I just loved every minute of it. It was so much fun. Okay. I have several follow-up questions <laughs> to everything that you just said. And by the way, audience, that is the other video of Michelle's that I watched when I said earlier that I watched a couple of her videos on her YouTube channel. One was Garden of Eden. And you hear her discussing right now everything that went into the quote-unquote behind the scenes of Midnight Moon. And I did watch that one as well. But Michelle, questions for you are these. Number one is you were talking about putting that song together and you said with my producer. Are we to assume that that's Dr. Fink you're referring to? 
No, this time it was actually Dr. Fink's son, ah. Maximilian. Um, we had been talking for a while about working one-on-one on a song. He had mixed some of my songs or done the production for some of my songs, but this was my first time you know, working with him in the studio and really collaborating on the ideas. And I love the work that he did. I'm really happy with how it turned out. Okay, another follow-up question is, and we've covered so, so much in this episode. Forgive me for not remembering the exact song you were talking about. But earlier in the interview, you mentioned a particular song that you said you wrote with two other people. My larger question is, do you typically write by yourself or are you doing a lot of co-writes? And maybe that's with Dr. Fink. Maybe it's with a bunch of different songwriters. Up until about two years ago, or maybe... Yeah, about two years ago, all of my songs were co-writes, and sometimes even producers would write the songs for me, um, because I didn't really know how to compose melodies or anything until I got to Berkeley Mm. and learned about composition and music theory, chord structures. Um, And now that I have that education, I, I would say most of my songs are written only by me, Um, but I still do co-writes. I did some co-writes in Nashville. I've been doing co-writes with my Berkeley Online master's degree. So I'm definitely open to collaboration, but I love working by myself because a lot of the time it just gets done in 20 minutes Mm. and it's exactly what I want. I don't have to deal with people not using my ideas or trying to bully me into singing something I don't want to sing. So I much prefer working by myself. Although, you know, I still have fun co-writing when it's respectful. Um, So I guess going forward, I'll just keep doing stuff by myself and doing collaborations when I can. Not to mention that when it's 11.35 p.m. and you get a song idea, you just want to write it yourself and not worry about it. I guess I'm going to have to schedule a write with so-and-so so so that we can work on this together. The third question, I'm proud of myself that I remembered all the follow-up questions and everything you were saying, (laughs) is when you talked about the video, you said it was your first time You were talking about things like fangs and scary makeup, but you said earlier that you do your own hair and makeup. So did you consult with somebody to say, hey, fangs and scary makeup, like this part's new to me, or was it I watched YouTube videos and figured it out myself? How did you get yourself adapted to that? I did it all myself by watching YouTube videos, um, or I'd look at pictures and use that as a reference. Um, I forgot, I actually did do scary makeup before Midnight Moon for my um, music video called Ghosted. But um, for my other Halloween song that I released this past year, Love Potion, that was my first time doing special effects makeup, like blood. Oh, and I did do um, like a bloody wound for Midnight Moon. That was my first time doing that too. So I just watched videos and followed the directions on the back of the packets that the makeup came in. Gotcha. Gotcha. Michelle, wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you so much for making time to be on Now Here This Entertainment. Congratulations on everything that you're doing, and we'll be excited to continue to watch as 2023 unfolds all your upcoming projects. Thank you so much. This was such a fun interview, and I really, really appreciate that you asked me to do it. Absolutely. My pleasure. My pleasure. And with that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, model, and actress Michelle Rose. Do visit her official website at michellerose.com. As I mentioned earlier, I will have a link to it on the show page for this episode 
on my podcast website, nhte.net. Remember, go there to find logos linked to the various platforms that she's on, including Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram, and even LinkedIn and IMDb. Remember that you can follow Michelle and stream her music through SoundCloud and Spotify, both of which there are links to on her website, and both of which you can also hear the show on. Plus, her music is on Pandora as well, but support her by purchasing downloads of her music from the likes of iTunes and Amazon, both of which you will find links to on michellerose.com. Keep up with her online, especially as it relates to her new album that you heard her talking about. For that matter, tell Michelle that you heard her and her music on Now Hear This Entertainment. Folks, I do hope that you enjoyed the interview and that you like the show itself. If you want to extend a gesture to let me know as much, go to my podcast website, nhte.net, and look for the yellow logo there that says, buy me a coffee, and do exactly that. It honestly would mean a lot to me because it tells me that you like what I'm putting out each week. It doesn't matter where you're located. It's simply a way that we can have a hot beverage together virtually. You can even put a personal note on there for me to see. If you hear me say this each week and are just kind of confused as to what it's about, simply go there and look to see how simple it actually is. That's going to do it for episode 467. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song from Michelle Rose. This is the one she just talked about. It's called Midnight Moon. 